on dispensers of pets, poking out at the cons, renaissance fests, watch anime chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a trekking, eh, sit back and watch as the uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor, I'm just the definition of a fanboy, Welcome to a very special Fanboy Planet podcast. Listen up, fanboys! Anyway, we're here at Supercon in San Jose at the South San Jose Convention Center. Who are you? Oh, I'm Derek McCaw. I'm the editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. Who's that guy? That's Lon Lopez. I am Lon Lopez. And we have a newbie today. Never, ever on the podcast before. Maybe never again. Mr. Nate Costa. Hey, how's it going? And, of course... My sound engineer, moral compass, and person telling me what to do when my wife's not around. That's me, Rick Brett Snyder. Yes. Anyway, we're going to wander the con floor, check it out, and uh, see who we can interview. So listen up. Well, this is a great honor. We're standing here with uh, Sergio Aragonas. I don't know about you, Rick, but... Certainly, probably a tremendous, terrible influence on my childhood. I lived in the margins of man. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all did. I live off the margins of man. <laughs> so, uh, is this your first time up in San Jose for Supercon? I... Uh, for Supercon, yes. Yes. Yes, I, I was in San Jose about, I don't know, 20-some years ago. There was a gentleman called Dan Vado who did a, a convention, yeah. and, uh, and I used to go to that one. So, and... one of the old-timers. Yeah, yes. you've had a very... Well, career, and you've got coming up. I think I read on Mark Avenier's blog. You've got is there a an essential brew or a new collection of brew coming that's reprinting your work in archive? Well, we're doing a few things. Uh, the new series of brew, which is a continuation of what we do, is called uh, the Hogs of Hoarder, which is a series of four. Uh, we the last one was um, called um, Hell on Earth. I forget the name. <laughs> and uh, the new uh, that. That one deal dealt with um, the warm uh, global warming, but the, the, this new one is going to deal with a crisis in a way. You know, but a crisis like uh, making fun of what's in, going on in comic books. No, a crisis in the economic situation in the world. So you're using Groove for political com- uh, or or real world commentary. I have I have always used it from day one. You know? mm-hmm. Every issue has something to do. Or the problems with the garbage, or with uh, solar population, or anything has always been a, a little story behind the story. <laughs> so this time is about the problems with the bankers and the people who speculate. And, and who is publishing that now? Dark Horse. Dark, Dark Horse. And we are also doing a collection of the early work called uh, Groot Treasury. That's why I read yes. about. Okay, so there's yeah. a Groot Treasury coming. Uh, will those be out in time for Comic Con? Uh, no, for Comic Con, no, neither. Okay. No. When can we ex- 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 well, think you expect those? The problem with um, the treasury is that when Marvel closed their business, they send me all their negatives and everything. So they are in a warehouse, and it's gigantic, and I have to start looking for them as we speak. And it's, it's, it's just almost it's a long process, but <laughs> as soon as I find them... We'll do it. Was you just spending like three days in a warehouse trying to find uh, not this one, yes, not this I have, one? And, and uh, the, the, hoard, the Hogs of Hoarder, I just send the cover and I'm writing, finishing the, the writing on the pencils and number one. Okay. 
Okay. So, and that is from Dark Horse, the Hogsportor. Yes. Brew. Looking forward to that very yes. soon. Yes. How are you enjoying your Supercon so far? Very much. It's very nice. It's one of the all-time cons that you don't get overwhelmed by celebrities and by oversized booths and millions of people wandering aimlessly without knowing what they're doing. You know? So this is wonderful. You have a chance to talk to fans. That's our that. business model, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Wandering aimlessly. Yeah. <laughs> you shut us down. It, it is fun. You, you have time to talk to people, mm-hmm. which is uh, one of the reasons I come, is to see old friends. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, we take into Are we ever going to see another fanboy collection or a fanboy series? I doubt it very much. Oh, it's too bad. But, uh, yeah, so you're enjoying your time in San Jose. Yes. We thank you so much for your time. It is, like I said, an honor. Anytime. anytime. You've influenced us all. Thank you very much. Us all. My pleasure. Thank you. We're here with, uh, at, at Supercon in San Jose with Rafael Navarro, old friend of Fanboy Planet and Elusive Comics and Games, where we normally podcast out of. How's it going, uh, you beautiful people out there? It's well, I don't. I can't speak for those beautiful people. The ugly ones here, we're fine. What can you talk about? You're, we, we've been talking about all this new, cool stuff that I'm just going to say, awesome. Looking forward to, but Thank you can't you. talk about any of it. Well, maybe I'll, I'll mention some things. Like, yeah, currently at the moment, I am working on a on a children's project. It is uh, It's almost done. It's uh, it's uh, it's it's still currently in development, along with a writer. And and it's uh, last I heard, it may be optioned as a Film. Can you name the writer? Uh, no, I can't at the moment either. Can you name the publisher? Oh, uh, it's uh, the, published by the publisher of Life right now at the moment. Uh, I, I do believe that there, uh, whoever is buying the option is going to make the final decision as to where it will be pursued oh. as, a, as a publishing uh, uh, venue. And again, for those who are, who are new to the podcast, uh, podcast or the site, Raphael is the writer-artist of Sonambulo, who is a luchador detective, supernatural yeah. detective as well. Um, See. Great book. We've enjoy, enjoyed that over the years. Uh, you've also, you're also a storyboard artist, right? For, I am, yes. You've done Very the, Bat- the Batman, Spe- Spectacular Spider-Man yes. work. And you said you're about to do some work on Ben 10. Yeah, yeah just uh, yeah. Word is is word is about to happen on that thing. I should pick up my first assignment maybe within the week or the following week. So okay. And what is most recent that you can talk about that's out here that we could convince people they need to go to your website and buy or something? Well, all right. Um, the most recent thing is uh, the kids of Whitney High. Uh, kids of Whitney High. It just 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 uh, fresh off the fresh off the press practically. And it, uh, it, it, it's basically it's a collaborative effort, if you will. Uh, the, um, for those of you who are not in the know, the kids of Whitney High are a musical sensation, a local Los Angeles thing, but uh, many, uh, many rock stars have been fallen to the guys in love of, of, uh, of the kids of Whitney High. They're a, 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 a special ed uh, a, a school who had a musical, pro, musical program on, on the side. Eventually, uh, the teacher decided, let's, let's put this out in the... In the uh, in the field there and do the club circuit next thing you know they, they hit it kind of big and um, Mike Patton notorious musical uh, co- from Faith know, No More yeah Faith from Faith No More um, took them under their wing as well too and I believe they cut a couple of CDs already and uh, somewhere down the line a, a mutual friend of ours a, a certain Mike Wellman uh, uh, from managed Atomic to, Basement from Atomic, from Atomic Basement yes sir yeah he managed to uh, 
to get in contact with the kids at Whitney High and, and propose the comic book project, hence what we're looking at now and the result therein. Um, it features uh, several noted cartoonists as far as I'm concerned. Uh, a one particular Robbie Rodriguez, uh, Ricky Newhouse, Chuck Beebe, and Chris Brandt, and, and yours truly. And the cover is by uh, uh, Jim Moffood. So it's, uh, yeah, hopefully it'll go places and uh, rock the world. Okay, now on a scale of Marvel Super Special Kiss to DC's Prince comics, where do you think this fits? Oh, I'd, I'd say at least a couple of notches over the Kiss. Only because Kiss was like... Uh, 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 it was my favorite book, by the way, and, and, uh, compared to the Prince one. That was hideous. But actually, no, I'd say it's about the same equal level as, as, the, uh, as, as, as the, the Kiss one, only because I do have sentimental value. But then again, I, I'm sentimentally attached to this project, too. I, I was very happy that they asked me to contribute to such now, a... Now, where, uh, where would people get this? Because is it through Diamond or available comic shops, or do they need to go to a website? I'd say go to both, but let's, matter, matter of fact, let's discover this all together. Uh, I love discovering things, Raphael. I know that the funniest thing of all time, okay, I do notice that there are uh, our individual websites there, um, but you know what? I think it'll probably be sold at most comic shops. Google it. We, or we can Google just Google it. Google Whitney it. High, W-I-D-N-E-Y, yes. for those who don't can't see it right here. Because yes. I thought you said it, I thought Whitney. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> just to make sure people do it. The kids of Whitney well, let's High. Just, uh, yeah, okay. I don't, see a, I don't see a website there at all. I know. there. You know, there's too many. Oh, there's it, it, yours. And, yeah, okay. that's, that's everybody else's. I think it's all the individual artists of, of okay. listed there. Okay, but so we're hoping in comic shops locally. Indeed. Google. That's Fabulous. the most current recent one up. The latest Sonambolo uh, project is uh, being worked on as we speak. Awesome. If you'd like to take a quick gander, uh, I guess you can describe some images. I guess you know, give them a play-by-play, if you will. Well, there's a cat involved. I've seen that. Oh, a... oh, yeah. Maybe you have seen them. Okay. No, I know because I, I was I was flipping oh. through a little already. So, yes, oh, his gravestone. Uh, beautiful yeah. pages. Aliens, little grays. Oh, yes. So they're taking on aliens. Um, some sort of demons. Oh, the cat is an ally. Fantastic. Oh, definitely. See? This looks... Uh, and are you saying Sonambulo goes to hell? Sonambulo is in hell. And, and uh, what you're seeing there is basically my take of Dante's Inferno. And, and, and Dante had an angel kind of guiding him through, his, uh, through the many passages of, of, of the netherworld. And I figured, you know, Sonambulo deserves his own uh, uh, Virgil the Angel. So I, I gave him his pet, um, his pet cat from his childhood. You know, came down from from the heavens, I guess, to, to, to look after him in the netherworld. There's werewolves and demons and spider people. Yeah. And for those not familiar with with Roth's art, obviously because of the animation background, I'd say this is sort of like uh, very cinematic. It's very cinematic. Very. Uh, why is there not a series? Why is there not an animated series for you? A very a dark, um, <laughs> you know, MTV or something. Um, that's a very good question. Uh, it is currently being pursued yet again. It's been optioned again, and uh, we'll see where it goes from there. I mean, I'm enjoying all the free lunches on a good note, uh, but it'd be nice to have some kind of a um, some, some some result therein, you know, with all those you know uh, 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 stuffed uh, uh, chicken uh, doohickey thingies and, and, and endless amounts of booze and and the blow and, and the the hookers and all. And, and actually, it's none of that, unfortunately. But then I wake up, of course, and I just realize the option's pretty modest. But yeah, it's, you got it's a spicy a, chicken sandwich from Burger King for free. That's about, about as spicy as it'll probably, unfortunately, okay. get. But uh, that's why I have a very creative, imaginative mind, I suppose. And I put it on paper and stuff. And I'm rambling because I need to eat. All right. 
Uh, when do you think you'll have this project done? Uh, this will, will definitely be ready for the San Diego Comic Convention. So Fantastic. Yes, a new, along the way, and it's about to... About a to new Sonambulo in time for Comic Con. A new, new Sonambulo, yeah. So, All right. Uh, oh, the uh, title for the book is... Uh, it had uh, the, the longest... The working title was Sonambulo en Mundo de los Muertos, Spanish translation, Sonambulo in the World of the Dead. Kind of doesn't roll out of its tongue, but since I killed them off in the last issue, I thought just the apropos Sonambulo lives should be... Just Samuel fine. lives. Excellent. And so does Rafael Navarro. Thank you, Rafael. Sure. Always Thanks, a pleasure Derek. talking to you. My pleasure. As it should As be. it should be, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the mic is live. All right. We are here at Supercon with Jane Weedland, who has been a amazing Fanboy Planet podcast favorite. Absolutely. Absolutely. We interviewed... Jane, two years ago, probably the most fun interview we've, we've ever had. So let's duplicate it. Ready? The sequel. Uh, you are here. More fun. You are here, uh, and, and you were here last year as well with Lady Robotica. You've yes. got a comic book character uh-huh. or concept created after you. So yes. tell us, talk about Lady Robotica. All right. Uh, when I first came to um, Supercon two years ago, Bill Morrison, the famous artist, met, and I met, and. Uh, we, we became good friends really quickly and decided we wanted to work together, so we came up with this idea to do a comic book based on me, but me as a superhero, and this, what came of it was Lady Robotica, and I, um, the, the basic, basic, sorry, the basic storyline is that, um, I'm me, and I get abducted by aliens, and they start, um, um, transforming me into a robot for nefarious purposes. They're, they're going to enslave me. and um, But the process only partially works, so I become basically a cyborg. And then I escape from them, and I become a, um, a freer of the oppressed, because these aliens basically travel all over the galaxy, like stealing other species and turning them into robots and enslaving them. So it's kind of intergalactic adventure. Yes, and it's all based on uh, real life experiences I've had. Okay. Yes. And Including the alien abduction? Yes. Okay. And being made partially robotic. Okay. And uh, when is this book coming out? Uh, we're thinking end of this year. Okay. Goddess willing. And it, will it be through Bongo? or? Um, it's going actually going to be with um, Big Wow Art. Yeah. Big Wow Art, which is Steve Morger who runs one of the guys that runs Supercon also has his own publishing company, Big Wow, and we decided to do it through him. And so we're going to be distributed by Diamond, and, you know, we'll see what happens. But so far, it's been a lot of fun thinking up the story and then watching as Bill creates the artworks. Very interesting. And this is your third year at the Supercon. It is my third year. And third year, my name's been spelled wrong all over the place, too. So we decided that's a tradition. So next year, I'm insisting my name be spelled wrong. And then it will show up correctly. Yeah. As soon as I start insisting on the wrong spelling, damn it, they'll foil me. Well, what is it about Supercon that keeps that keeps bringing you back? Yeah, the people. Everyone's so lovely. And we've become pretty good friends with the organizers and it's where Bill and I met and and, now he's my partner in art and I just really like it. I love all the conventions I've been to. Comic Con is obviously, you know, the ultimate convention but it's so overwhelming and this one is big enough to be interesting but small enough to actually meet people and get to know them. That's a great slogan. They should get (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get that tattooed on my butt. There we go. (laughs) And that'll be the and poster be for poster, next year. Yeah. yeah, that'll be great. 
Now, the big question on everyone's mind, because you asked us, how was Wolverine for you? Oh, well, we, I, we already I know we've agreed to disagree on this. I've stumbled, I stumbled upon um, a copy that somebody took off the internet, not me. And I accidentally walked in. You were in forced to watch. And I was forced at gunpoint to watch it. So um, I didn't want to because it was not legal. But it just happened and I couldn't prevent it. Right. right. Um, and I loved it. <laughs> I enjoyed immensely seeing the half-done um, special effects. Because I don't know how the hell they do that stuff. And to see it partially done was very enlightening. And... Um, I'm a big fan of the the Wolfie. I've been his um, girlfriend for years, ever since the first X-Men movie. I was always said, Wolfie's my boyfriend. And he doesn't know it yet, but someday he will. I have no interest in meeting the real Hugh Jackman. I just want to be the girlfriend of Wolverine. Now, in the digital, did they do any digital enhancement of his buttocks? Now, you've seen... The, uh, Honestly, you the are the one CG. obsessed with his buttocks. I, I like the whole, <laughs> I like the whole package. I didn't focus on his buttocks. I saw the whole package, yeah, and it was see, good. She met him in eye to eye. <laughs> yes, I'm sure she did. <laughs> and started. We know you are a longtime Star Trek fan. Oh yeah. Having cameoed in Star Trek Four. Yes. So, are you excited by the Star Trek revival? I um. I love the movie, and I agree with all the um, ads that say this is the Star Trek for everyone because I really feel like anyone would just adore that movie, not just the Trekkers amongst us, of which I consider myself one, of course. Um, I thought it was great. I My only critique was I didn't like them kind of messing with the original storyline like I don't agree that Vulcan is gone I refuse to believe it oh and that Spock's mom's dead forget that that's bullshit um, but uh, I did I did love the movie I thought it was exciting and beautifully done and as my dear friend Marina Sirtis as of yesterday she's my new best friend um, right I, I know I love her she said last night well that movie had a bigger budget than all of their movies combined so they definitely had the money to do it right and luckily they did made the, the difference now another uh, genre film coming that we also knew you were a fan of from the interviews a couple years ago was Astro Boy oh. and so and I, I heard that you lobbied to get me I did a try to lobby to get you but you know movie. we're a small site yeah. and small podcast and, and me I'm just a no, no power yes. no you're Jane Weedlin no and we'll spell your name right. Uh, <laughs> unless I copied uh, so it off. Or we won't console. spell it at no, all. No, we'll just Jane. With yes. Exclamation mark. Yes. Uh, you know. So, uh, are you looking? Have you seen anything from that? I have not one? seen anything from it, and I hope it's good. Because certainly, Speed Racer, who was another one of my imaginary boyfriends when I was a kid, oh, that one, eh. meh, <laughs> meh. But okay. hopefully, Astro Boy, that'll go better. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jane. We'll come back next year and get next year's movie reviews. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, and then we'll have seen Lady Robotica. Will you, you be at Comic-Con this year? Oh, yeah. I'll be there. I'll be hawking more stuff. I forget. Oh, we're going to have um, an abbreviated version of the comic, the book at, yep. at, at okay, Comic-Con. Good. So that's good. Because I'm starting to feel like nobody believes we're really doing it. <laughs> Although we do keep coming up with better and better posters. I don't know if you noticed the entirely naked Lady Robotica of this year's poster. Whoa. 
with. Uh, I hadn't really noticed that that's what it was, but it does have we'll, we'll strategically placed bits of uh, bits. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And um, I know you're those crafty I aliens. Know I know you're obsessed with buttocks. My buttocks don't show in that, no, but <laughs> I'm not. It's not. <laughs> you started it. <laughs> if I re- didn't, she start it this morning. I'll I think she may have made the podcast actually. <laughs> Great. Well, it's nice. Well, we thank Jamie. <laughs> always a pleasure, thank and hopefully continue boys. to be a pleasure in the future. Wonderful to talk to you again. Right. Thank you. Boss man of Bongo? That's what some people call me when they're waiting for their check. <laughs> okay, Mike is live. Okay. Family <laughs> <laughs> Planet at Supercom. We are with Bill Morrison, who's just corrected me. He is the boss man, creative director of Bongo Comics. That's right. So if you've ever read a Simpsons comic, it's his, his responsibility. He also gets to sit next to Jane Weedland. He gets all day to sit long. all weekend That's long the best part sitting of my next job. to Jane Weedland. I looked for that ticket. I couldn't find it on So the co creator of Lady Robotica, That's the right. upcoming book. So yep. Um, let's get your perspective how this Lady Robotica came to be. Well, uh, pretty much like Jane said, we, um, we met two years ago at Supercon, became instant friends, and we're given this opportunity to do whatever we wanted to do in the form of a comic book. So I thought, wow, this sounds like a lot of fun, and you know, Jane was into it. And it turns out she's a big sci-fi fan, which I didn't know. And uh, I started quizzing her about her interests. So I said, you know, I'll, I'll kind of get the ball rolling with the story, and then you can kind of give your input, and we'll go back and forth. But first of all, tell me what you're into. Like, we're going to do a comic book about you as a some kind of space adventurer or superhero. What what kind of things are you into? And she said uh, she loves robots, aliens, uh, you know, outer space. She's into Star Trek, Star Wars. And, uh, and domination. <laughs> no surprise if you saw the surreal life, actually, so that's okay. Actually, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, well, no, I'm just saying to our listeners, yes. Yeah, but, We're not revealing anything. Yes. It's true. Um, so anyway, um, we set about to come up with a character that had sort of a... It was definitely uh, based in science fiction fantasy. Um, it's, it's not an adult like a super adult kind of story it has it has kind of mild domination themes in it um, mainly in the villain the, the main uh, Lady Robotica's chief adversary and uh, but anyway we came up with this really fun story that turns Jane into a freedom fighting cyborg superhero yeah and uh, so I'm trying to phrase this great you've had of course a lot of success with Bongo Comics do you find it freeing to be able to just kind of do this? Is, is there a difference in the way you're approaching? Oh, yeah, scene? absolutely. Talk about Bongo Comics a little bit because I'm not sure everyone's going oh, okay. everyone knows Well, that okay, let, then let, we'll go back in time here. Okay. How did you get involved? Bongo is the co- company that uh, publishes Matt Groening's Correct. characters. So Simpsons, Futurama. Yes. Is there anybody else? There was a, there was a little alien character. That was my that was my creator-owned comic mm-hmm. book, Roswell. And we've had a couple of other things. Uh, Gary Panter did his uh, character Jimbo with Bongo. And Stephanie Gladden did a book called Hopster's Tracks. And I also had a book called Heroes Anonymous, which I co-created with Scott Gimple. Um, but yeah, generally, Bongo was set up as the publishing arm of Matt Groening Productions. And when Matt first made his deal with Fox, he discovered that they would own the rights to The Simpsons. 
that was part of the deal that they would own the Simpsons. Now back then it was when they were trying to come up with these little bumper cartoons for the Tracy Ullman show mm-hmm. and nobody ever dreamed it would become what it's become today. So, but because of the fact that Matt was a, a cartoonist, a comic strip artist, he had his own comic strip Life in Hell, um, he wanted to retain the publishing rights. So that that's one of the things that his lawyer fought for. And Fox said, sure, yeah, no problem, whatever. It's just this little, you know, rinky-dink cartoon that's going to be part of another show. They didn't see any reason not to give him the publishing rights. So, um, lo and behold, The Simpsons became this phenomenon. And Matt said, well, I want to do Simpsons comic books. So I was involved in doing a lot of artwork for The Simpsons, uh, merchandise-wise. And we did a, a, a book called The Simpsons Illustrated, which was like a magazine. Not a book, but a magazine. And in that magazine, we had comics. And the comics, every issue expanded. It went from one page to two, and then eventually we had 10 or 12 pages of comics in every issue. And we came out with a special issue that was nothing but comics. And it, was, it sold so well that Matt came to me and Steve and Cindy Vance, who were the, like, the creative team, and said, how would you like to start a comic book company? And we were like, how much do we have to pay you? I know, how long did it take you to say yes? Yeah, <laughs> that was, for all of us, it was a childhood dream come true. So we started Bongo and started publishing uh, variations of Simpsons mm-hmm. comics, Simpsons related. And then when Futurama came out, we did Futurama comics. And, and through that, you've had a chance to work with all kinds of celebrity writers, yes. top talent in the business. That really came mostly out of Treehouse of Horror, which... Um, The first issue we did of Treehouse of Horror was in the second year of Bongo. And we were looking for kind of a gimmick because the the show, obviously, they would go off and, you know, it was a very special event whenever they would do a Treehouse of Horror episode of the show. And we wanted to kind of set the comic book version apart, not just to do scary stories with The Simpsons, but we thought, well, what if we bring in celebrity guest writers from from the comic book world? And at the time, we were still under sort of a mandate to draw the characters on model, which means draw them like they look on the TV show. So the first couple of issues were done that way. We had celebrity writers come in. And when I say celebrity, I mean from the comic book industry. Later, it became sort of beyond that. We've had Mark Hamill write a story. We've had Alice Cooper and Gene Simmons. Mark Hamill's son works works for Bongo. He's He's a really great colorist. He started as an intern. And now he's one of our best colorists. Um, yeah, but anyway, we it's it's been a dream come true for me because being a big comic book geek, um, there are obviously people that I've grown up with who I was fans of growing up, um, both artistically and just you know as a reader. But um, you know, I've, I've been able to work with Bernie Wrightson and Len Wein and Marv Wolfman and Gene Colan, Dan DiCarlo. Um, it's just amazing. You get on the phone and you say, hey, you know, we'd like to have you write a Simpsons story or draw a Simpsons story. And it's so universally known and loved, the TV show, yeah, primarily. Um, but, you know, the Simpsons as an entity is so um, well known. It's like I, I sort of compare it to the Batman TV show back in the 60s when they would get the celebrity guest villains. Yeah. It was such a... Uh, you know, it was like a, a real feather in their cap as an actor to get asked to be a villain on the Batman show at that time. And that's kind of how I see this. Alice Cooper said to me, 
uh, he said, "This gives me bragging rights that I've that I've written." And I'm like, "My God, are you kidding? Are you kidding me?" <laughs> yeah. That's, so that's very cool. So yeah, it's been really great. So what? We, um, Lady Robotica's not coming through. Not Bongo. through Bongo, no. So why not? Let's well, because Steve Morger, who puts on Supercon, he also has a, a publishing company called Big Wow, and he um, started out publishing mostly uh, artist sketchbooks but he's also published some material from Europe previously published material and he really wants to get into um, doing original material original material from here in the US so he asked us if uh, we would like to publish with him and because we met here at Supercon and Lady Robotica was sort of um, conceived at Supercon um, we wanted to go with Steve so it's a very small publishing company but um, one with a lot of heart and a, and a real uh, love for art and, and for something different. So, yeah. And so I guess back to before we backed up. Is there more freedom for you, or the difference between this is your creation with Jane? It's not Bongo. Like all bets are off, basically. Yeah. Any anytime you do something that's that's your own creation, whether you're working with a partner or just working by yourself, it's vastly different from working on something that's already that already exists in another medium like The Simpsons. You know, whether it's you're doing a movie adaptation or adapting a TV show, there are rules that you have to follow. And not that it's not creatively fulfilling because there is a lot of creative freedom, but um, only up to a point. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to you sort of get to a brick wall and you say, okay, well Homer would never do this thing or would never right. say such a thing. And with Lady Robotica or with Roswell or any of the other um, things that I've, that I've either created or co-created, um, it's, it's just between me and myself or me and whatever partner I'm working with. In the case of Lady Robotica, it's whatever Jane and I want to do. And because it is her, um, I really, I mean, she's the character. Um, I really... Uh, I mean, I ask her a lot of questions. I'll come up with an idea and I'll say, what do you think about this? I don't just go off and do whatever I feel mm-hmm. like doing. And uh, uh, but it turns out Jane is quite a brilliant writer. Um, and I don't even know if she realized that she was. But when I, when I told her from the beginning, you know, I'll come up with a, a real loose story and then I want to give it to you and then I want you to give me notes and really contribute and... Uh, as much as you want. So this is really hands-on from the from the celebrity side, for lack of a better phrase. We've seen a lot of celebrity yes. creators in the last few years. Yeah, a lot of them, they'll hand it over to somebody and they kind of give it the final stamp of approval at the end, but they're not really that involved. But in this case, Jane is, she's come up with so many great ideas. She's really funny. She's come up with a lot of great jokes and concepts. And she's so well-versed in science fiction and Star Wars, particularly in Star Trek that she knows what we're shooting for. She knows the medium. And um, so it really has that authenticity. It's not just some celebrity on, off on a lark doing a comic book version of themselves. It's, it's a celebrity you know, working with a co-creator but, but coming up with something that's really based on years and years of reading and watching science fiction. And this is shooting for a release for the end of the year. Yes, but you'll have a preview book available at Comic Con. That's what we're yeah we're we're working on an Ashcan preview, 
that we'll have at Comic-Con. All right, well, we're looking forward to that. Thank, Thank you so you. much for your time, Bill. My pleasure. Thank you for the talk. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks. I have a dum-dum with me. That would be Lon. And I have Sharnold. We're bringing all the forces together. The source of dum-dums. The source of dum-dums. I think Supercon is the source of dum-dums, right? Okay, well... Somebody's not having as good a con. They're hosting us nicely. So we're here... no, I didn't mean that. Uh, Oh, okay. No, I'm having a good time at Supercon. It's just... Never mind. Let's move on. Let's move on. We're here with Sharnold, who, of course... uh, Wrote this comic book behind the hero, but the reason that, of course, we know Charnel is he because he's a fan of the he's show. A fan of the show, love the show. Uh, more of a fan of Lon, which is we're going to work this Who out. Who isn't? Everyone well, loves you Lon. Too. We're going <laughs> to yes. work this out. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, just what is it? First of all, just tell me what is it. Well, you don't have to answer that. Let's talk about the book. You like Ryan Reynolds' films too, don't you? That's what it is. You're a big fan of Van Wilder, the na- the later National. Let the man films. talk. All right, go ahead. Lon entertains me. Thank you. That's that's what's Thank important. You. I get my news and laugh at the same See, time. I just Somebody's saw Derek gonna... get visibly shorter. <laughs> Somebody's got to balance it out, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, I met him first. Ah, oh, that's what it is. Mm, oh. In your face. <laughs> This is a very delicious. That was a narrowly avoided infection, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was. No, that was a WonderCon because you met actually. I met Lon last year at SuperCon. Oh, that's right. When uh, Lon had a moron life booth. booth. Not this year, but uh, Mm -hmm. it's okay. It's better to be a wandering moron than a stationary (laughs) one. Let's talk about the book. Let's talk about the artist's creation here. What is it? I made a comic book. Ask your question. Ask your questions, then, Lon. Uh, Well, I already asked him already, but I'll ask him for the podcast. When can we expect issue two of Behind the Hero? Issue two is going to be available for Ape in mid-October. Uh, my artist who lives in Brazil, a guy named Marcelo Salaza, is already uh, starting work on the art for that. Uh, so it'll be printed and ready to go for Ape. Fantastic. All right. Now and, and Ape is? The Alternative Press Expo. In San Francisco, correct? In San Francisco, yes. yes. Home of all alternative press, apparently. So, uh, but you're actually based out of Sacramento, Sacramento. the Sacramento area. Yes. Okay. And we, in an earlier podcast, you confirmed your age as 24. You're a young, 20, yes. a young man yet. So, what inspired you to become the uh, to start your own comic book company? Well, I was at WonderCon in 2008, and I was looking around, and I was like, you know what? I like comic books. And I want to be around comic books every moment of every day. A tender young man of 23 uh, <laughs> at the time, and he realized that, that, that life-changing epiphany. A calling. Uh, indeed. So I talked to uh, every person that would talk to me, and was like, hey, so how do you make comic books? And uh, learned a whole lot. I found a local group in Sacramento called the Sacramento Comic Creators Group. Oh. Uh, and they were very helpful in helping me figure out how to create comic books. And uh, I decided, you know what, if, if I love comics so much, if I can turn it into a business, then I get to spend more time around comic books. Okay. And what was your print run on, if you don't mind asking, on that uh, I, my The original print run was 300, and I sold out of those, and I just did another reprint of another 100. Okay, so you're very small so, press. Yes, yes. So you're not being... But how are you... Are you just selling at... Cons, how are you getting the word out? Uh, two ways, uh, doing it at cons and also distributing straight to stores. Uh, when I went up to Emerald City Con, I made a stop by pretty much every comic book store between Sacramento and Seattle. 
uh, and dropped off. A few How many is of the that? Book. Just so we know. Uh, I want to say it was about twenty-five. Uh, and I, I gave them all copies of the book, and uh, I also made up some flyers so that people can see my website. And what about is there a web presence? Do you have any kind yes, of web? Yes, indeed, supersharnold.com. Okay. Uh, can is you my spell website. that? Yeah, yeah. Sharnold is S E A R N O L D, and super is S U P E R. Good. Super Sharnold. Anti disestablishmentarianism. A N T I D E S T A. Okay, no, I already lost it. Nor can we use it in a sentence. What do you What's, what's been the biggest obstacle in producing your own independent comic? Finding an artist. Because ah, okay. uh, I myself am a writer. Mm-hmm. And so finding someone who is willing to draw for the money that I'm willing to pay is not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but How did you find that person? Uh, there's a website called Digital Webbing, uh, which is kind of like Craigslist for creative types. Uh, and I just posted an ad saying, hey, this is the comic that I'm doing. It's a superhero comedy uh, done in mockumentary style. Anybody interested in working for very meager page rates? Uh, and I found Marcelo, who lived in Brazil. Do you pay him in dum dums? I, I pay him in dum dums. <laughs> yes, I ship. The him. Brazilian dum dum rate is very favorable. <laughs> <in this time laughs> yes, I would imagine so. I bet they have pineapple. I'm sorry. He's just bitter I'm all sorry. around. <laughs> I, I take what I get. I, and I'm I bought happy. two brand new packages of dum dums, trying to find you a pineapple. <laughs> I looked at every single one of them. No pineapple. Dum-dums. I will. Free be Madonna. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> well, who who would you say are your influences? Yeah, I mean, this is a bad, but you know, when you grew up, what are the comics you love? Because you were doing a superhero parody. Yes. Yeah. Um, I've been reading Marvel comics my whole life, uh, so I'm huge into Marvel comics. That's uh, why he likes you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, I'm really enjoying his run on New Avengers. And Ultimate Spider-Man. I like the way he does long stories. Uh, so things that you see, you know, 50 issues ago in New Avengers that, still, are, that are, you know, still, still being relevant. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's, that's a lot of fun. What's been the fan response to uh, Behind the Hero? What have you, feedback you've gotten so far? Everybody loves it. Um, they think that it's hilarious. I've had some people who tell me that the art is not their style. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you look at me? He said it too. His lawn's your favorite. But I've, I've actually found that the sort of uh, cartoony art style is very popular with teenage girls um, who find that it's very cute uh, and are thus attracted to the comic. Because now, of that. just for the record, for those who've only listened and not seen us, neither Lon nor myself are teenage girls. So really, we are not your dem- demographic. I uh, and for the record, me neither. Yeah. Schneider. Yeah. I, I can confirm that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, you know, we're not your demographic. That's fine. So you've gotten a lot of. Feedback, right. very, very positive response at the cons. Yeah, good. at the cons, good. because I bring people over to the table with free dum dums. Mm-hmm. It works uh, for us, and uh, then they see the comic and they're like, "Oh, hey, that that looks hilarious." I also have a money back guarantee. That's true on the comic. Now, book. have you ever had to give the uh, money back? Not a single person has even asked for a refund. Nice. So I have a one hundred percent satisfaction rating so That's far. Great. Through uh, after selling about three hundred copies, so that may be better than any back. other comic book company can claim <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly better than Marvel. Uh, Indeed. <laughs> so far. Okay. Well, all right, Charnel, we are... Wait, before we sign off, oh, I wait. just want to know, after Behind the Hero or, episode, or Issue 2, what's next for Super Charnel? Uh, there are actually a lot of other projects coming up for me. I have one project called Fate of the Prey, which is a uh, sci-fi action epic. 
Trademark. Uh, which I believe is advertised <laughs> in the it, back There is an advertisement for it in the front, inside front cover of Behind the Hero. And uh, I just found a friend of mine who's agreed to do the art for that. Uh, her name's Jordan Williams. So uh, we're getting started on that project. And then I'm also working on a fantasy project called Ritheria. Uh, and there's a lovely artist by the name of Ari Sherman who is slowly but surely getting the art done for, for that Do you find that as well. a, a little bit, I shouldn't say frustrating, because artists are going to work at their pace, but was that probably the biggest shocker to you, that it's, they don't turn it out in a month? <laughs> it's, it's very difficult for me to sit and wait patiently for them to finish the art when, when I'm ready to publish it and, and get it out to the public. But uh, I understand that... that Art is not the only thing that they have going on in their lives, and sometimes it does take a little while to get it done. Okay. Well, we are going to have... have one last question. Oh, uh, well, I, you can ask it later. Okay. Well, go ahead. I was going to... Because Twite... No, okay, go ahead and ask it. Last question, or did you want to have the last question? No, no, go ahead. Last question. So when are we going to get you to come join us on a Wednesday night? That was night? what I was going to say, you <laughs> schmuck. <laughs> We're going to have Sharnold down some night in the summer. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's easier for us, I suppose. I assume it's easier for you. Is the summer easier to travel for Yeah, everyone? absolutely. Yeah? Because yeah, you're still in junior high, right? <laughs> right, yeah. No, Sharnold is so baby-faced. I, I, I get like, out of school yeah. at 3.30. So. fantastic. <laughs> My mom's going to drive me down from yeah. Sacramento. Okay. We have cartoons till at least 5 o'clock. We should comment that he is attired. His attire is uh, unique in that he is wearing a business suit with a tie. Tie not loosened all the way to the top. Oh, he's, he's a brave man. And a baseball cap. So he plays to the business side, and he plays to the playful Super Charnold side. Yes, so we'll have Charnold down this summer. We thank you for the time now. Well, thank you. But we'll have you later to just talk about whatever is on your mind. That sounds like fun. Whatever's on Lon's mind. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. Okay, Uh, we're still at Supercon. We are talking to Dan Saltiz from NorCal Paranormal Investigations. So you are kind of Northern California-based ghost hunter, basically. Correct. Correct. So, yeah. uh, how did, so you got a booth here. How did you get started investigating the paranormal? I really started, uh, Scott and I were basically watching ghost hunters on TV and were intrigued by it, so we started doing some research. Scott contacted uh, TAPS from ghost hunters and got some information about how to do it, and so... That Based your, on that. That would be your partner, Scott Armstrong, Correct. so we, you know, people know. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> okay, so you started from that, and they gave you the tips, guided yeah, you. Yeah, it's kind of how to, how to get started and, and things of that nature. And so from there, uh, we got some equipment together, uh, EMF meters, uh, voice recorders, IR cameras, things of that nature. And basically just put our names out there and started doing investigations. So. Right, and how many investigations have you done? Uh, right now we've done like so we're fairly new so we've done only about three or four so okay and what's the what's the weirdest experience you've had or uh, most convincing experience you've had um, again on our last investigation we were doing um, it was a private residence in Orangevale California we had uh, EMF field a fairly high EMF field I believe it was around a 2.0 or a three on the meter and the standard reading for the room was a 0.1 so it was a fairly significant jump. And that was located in the center of the room without any discernible source for the, the EMF. And then the weirdest part was that it started moving around the room. So we actually had to chase it around the room with the meter. And then right after that, both Scott and I uh, had our bodies 
basically feel cold and all the hairs stand up, which basically means that something passed through us. And that's been the most convincing thing that I've experienced. Well, for a skeptic listening, what would be a normal source for an electromagnetic field? A normal source, uh, most electronic devices actually emit them. Um, I know you can get high readings off of things like alarm clocks. Um, if you're right next to a power panel, you know, circuit breaker panel, they give them. Um, older TVs can do it, uh, microwaves that are slightly older um, can do it. Um, pretty much, like I said, any, any kind of electronic device emits them. It just depends on the degree. So what you've seen is through equipment. You've not actually had a sighting. You've never seen yeah, it. Yeah, I've never actually seen anything. Um, on one of our previous investigations, uh, Scott thought he had seen a shadowy figure uh, moving across the hallway. But we unfortunately couldn't get it on camera, So, and I didn't see it either. So at that point, it kind of just becomes a story without any actual proof to back it up. So, and you you leave those things as stories. They're not proof. Yeah, that's so, I mean, we'll mention them to the homeowners, but just let them. You know, we really put a grain of salt on it. Saying, <laughs> by that. the way, there's a shadowy figure in your hallway. <laughs> we can't prove it, but no, hope you wake up tomorrow. You know, we present it as we thought we saw it, but without any proof, we can't say definitely. Uh, on the four investigations that you've had, would you say that you've had proof on all of them, or has um, it just been not homeowners? On all of them, no, yeah, like some, we've all done private residence. Um, and uh, a couple of them, like I said, did have some interesting things happen, like I said, the EMFs. Uh, EMFs tend to be the most common things we've run into, um, but there was uh, one investigation where we just didn't find a thing. So, and, um, so just unfortunately nothing important. That's actually the DVD that we made of our, of our pilot um, is the one that, like I said, there was just nothing there. So, unfortunately, we're still working on the footage of the others to, to put into more DVDs, but... Okay, so you're going to try, that's what you're, yeah. how you're making money, because we were talking a little bit before Rick came with the equipment, mm-hmm. and you you don't charge, no, as opposed don't. to other, go, for yeah, lack of a better phrase, ghost hunters organizations, okay, why not? Um, again, we, we wanted to make it um, kind of a service available to everybody, because again, we don't feel that, you know, somebody who's having a problem at their home should have to, to pay for that, so we make all our money on donations, sale of merchandise, t-shirts, bumper stickers, uh, things of that nature. Uh, we will, once we get some more DVDs pressed, we'll offer those through our website. Okay, so, so people can go to norcalparanormal.org Correct. and get your, and buy DVDs, t-shirts, yeah, this is merchandise. But now there, this so. brings up a question. If you did prove something was in a house, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> um... We're both fairly mellow guys, so we're not going to freak out. I mean, if we see something that's that's out there, I mean, I don't know. I, I have a fairly decent self-control, so I know I'm not going to freak out. But we will let the homeowner know and basically present them some options as far as what they want to do. If, well, we I do want to know what those options are. What are you going to um, want to do? That's where I was going. Uh, we do have <laughs> contacts with some, uh, I don't remember his name right now, I'm sorry, um, He's basically a, a, a priest who does exorcisms, things of that nature. Uh, we do have contact with a demonologist. Um, depending, it depends on how malicious we find the entity to be. Because oftentimes homeowner, homeowners, if they're aware of a presence and they know it's not a threat, they know it's not a danger, they're not really going to want to do anything about it, to be honest. Um, which seems weird because it seems like most people not want it in their home. But uh, again, the last residence we did where there was an EMF field, we let the homeowner know about it, and he's been living there for four years and never had a problem, never had any anything. It was his daughter who was living there for a short time who had, you know, kind of feelings of being watched and heard some noises. But when she moved out, 
he hasn't had any problems, so he's like, it's not affecting me, so I'm okay, you know. Did so you survey the neighbors with that one? Uh, we didn't, no. no okay. <laughs> okay. Well, he remained, he wished to remain private, so we didn't really broadcast his name or anything out Right, there. right. Okay. So, again, it's norcalparanormal.org. Correct. And this is Dan Soltis. Thank you very much, Dan, for the no conversation. <laughs> Good to have you here. We are here at Supercon with a man we've long admired and kind of danced around interviewing. He's cheers in the background. This is true. You can hear that. The teen girls are going crazy because he was not announced, but he's here anyway. Eric Larson. Wow. Long That's time. Thank, thanks for that. Absolutely. We thanks are very excited that. to be able to we have a chat with you here. The girls are going nuts. They are. That's <laughs> you, you get that effect everywhere you go, right? Pretty much, yeah. That's pretty much my life. Well, I wanted to ask. Uh, we were we were we talked about it on our last podcast, I think, but the free comic book day issue you put out. We were just wanted to compliment you on. Well, mention how, the book. Oh, the Savage, Savage Dragon. Dragon. There Sorry, you go. Yeah. See, yeah, our, Thank come you. on, guys. Get your act together. <laughs> but uh, I think what was most impressive was uh, what was it? How I guess how did you feel about going about putting in the uh, the Daredevil and then. Uh, was it the Little Wise the Guys? The Little Wise Guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, well all, that, all that stuff sort of came about through, um, I was doing this next issue project project mm-hmm. in which we're taking old, old Golden Age books and then doing the next issue from that series. Right. And one of the books we were talking about doing was uh, Silver Streak. Mm-hmm. And Silver Streak is where Daredevil first appeared. And so, you know, going to these kind of shows, I'll, I always end up with a big stack of Golden Age books. And... I just love Daredevil. I just like that costume. The Golden Age Daredevil, right, that is. Right. Uh, yes. To differentiate him right. from the other dude. Um, and so I liked him in it. And, and it, the book was getting to a point where I, I kind of wanted there to be that kind of character around. Uh-huh. And, it, and my own character, Star, I think I it kind of... He kind of played it out, I thought. So it was like, it had you kind know, of a star feel, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like but a camaraderie. I, I yeah. kind of felt like Star, in the in the context of the book, had run its course. Mm. And, it, and I'd sort of had other people be a star and whatever. And it was getting to the point where the guy who's in the costume was in his 40s. Mm. And I'm like, yeah. I realize I'm in my 40s, <laughs> but it's really not somewhere... You can really go out in there and, and kick ass. Well, super you do have well. a superhero physique. Well, I, I, I do. Well, compared to the rest of us, yes, right. absolutely. Yeah. Which is why the girls go wild. <laughs> That's <laughs> what goes on there. Anyway, so I like Daredevil. Right. And there was a combination of just characters and aspects of it that I thought would work well in Savage Dragon. So right. the Golden Age Daredevil will be a recurring character in the book. Starting with 148. I was gonna say because it really had a good, it had a feeling. We even talked about this on the podcast, like of just having the feel of just what a good comic was all about. You know, you have your superhero set up, your your teen sidekicks or whatever, big fight. You know, everything else. And, uh, one of the most effective of the free comics in that it was definitely a story that stood alone. Yeah, it was definitely. I didn't need to know a lot to get into it. No, I think I think what tends to happen is people tend to to overwrite in a way and I think there gets to be a point where you're wanting to catch readers up so much that you're putting in information that's really unnecessary to the story at hand mm-hmm. and I think that just kind of is happening probably too much and it's like you know all I really need to know is that Superman's a good guy and Lex Luthor's the bad guy why are you telling me about six issues that I missed I don't need to know that I just need to know what, what's, the, what's the problem what do I need to solve and let's, let's go there with that 
Yeah, and, and you are here not as a member of Image. You are here, I would say, as a fan today, right? I am. I'm here purely as a guy who loves comic books. Fantastic. And, and that's what I love about you being in charge of Image. It, you clearly, your the, the titles you, you pick was because you just love the medium. Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm, so, a big, I'm a big fan of comics. All right, I have for this, I didn't want to be chained down to, to being, you know, behind a behind a desk and and sitting in a chair when there's comic books that need to be looked at. I got to go buy some vacuums. What are you finding out? Some, what are you looking I got for today? Some holes to fill. What Generally, I go and I look for things that are unfamiliar to me. Um, more than anything, it's just old, weird, cool, golden age stuff. And very often, they're they're quite disappointing. But every now and then you run across something where you're like, wow, this is awesome. And then, you know, there you get a cool book out of the deal. Dare you say who you're reading, what, what books you, that you really I'm like? I'm all over the place. Um, I can't say there's any any one thing that I'm reading. I follow. Uh, I don't follow a lot of new stuff right now. Because... Um, Unless it's, unless it's from Image, you know, just because I love Fair that enough. stuff. And yeah. it's, you know, it's all books that I, I approved or, or, or loved anyway. So, you know, and I'm pretty sure I'm not going to miss an issue because they're all coming into the office. Whereas some of this other stuff, you know, if an issue of something sells out and I'm missing part three of a six-part story, it's always this, oh, damn, I should have waited for the trade. What am I, I was wondering, have you heard from Barack Obama yet? No. Oh, nothing? Has, no. has there been I, I actually haven't gone out of my way to right, right. let it be known what I'm up to. So. Uh, okay, because I was going to say, that got a lot of press and a lot of... Uh, is, yeah. We need to know Barack Obama like reads Wizard or but Comic wouldn't Book Resources. Cool. Wouldn't that be cool I, I, if he <laughs> kind of contacted him? Hey, thanks for putting me in yeah, Savage Dragon. Yeah. So. <laughs> but yeah, so that was cool. What do, we have, uh, what do you have coming forward or... What do we have to look forward to? What do you have coming up that we can... Uh... Well, I'm working on Savage Dragon 150 now, mm-hmm. and that's going to be a, another gigantic issue. That's so, I, I, that's, that's fun for me, too. And but... then from Image, anything we should keep an eye on? Anything new books oh, you guys are... Every, every damn book we sure, put out, sure. they're, they're, all, they're all good. I mean, right. it's like I get... I read the stuff before it comes out in the stand, so it's like yeah. Walking Dead. Oh, I love it. I love. Yeah. I love Invincible. When, you know, and we, you know, issues of that will keep coming out, and I'll read them before you guys get to see them. And, oh yeah. You know all the dirt. Lucky you. Uh, yeah. But I, can we come by the oh, office, Eric? Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> it's like comics all day long. So uh, awesome. So fun. Uh, <laughs> cool. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, we're working on. I'm working on Image United. And getting that, working on that, doing layouts on that, and sending them off to all the different guys to get their parts of that done. Yeah. And that's a coordinating nightmare, but it's a lot of fun, and it'll be, ultimately, I think, will be a good book. Fantastic. Um, and there's just a lot of other stuff that I'm always, I'm always doing other stuff. Well, so. we, we look forward to more. I'm a big fan. So, right. Derek, any Very other uh, I know, because you covered it mm-hmm. wonderfully so. I mean, okay. it's, it's an honor. Thank you, Eric Larson. It's awesome. We finally got to talk. Yeah. All right. Well, it's good to see you guys. Live now, same time when oh. we started. Oh. <laughs> hey, we are with Alexis Fajardo. Let me say that again. We are with Alexis Fajardo, who is the creator of Kid Beowulf. Uh, so he's here at uh, Supercon, which is now a full-on graphic novel. You're not doing individual issues. You are yeah, giving uh, people the, their money's worth in one shot. Yeah, Kid Beowulf is uh, it's an ongoing graphic novel series. The first book called Kid Beowulf and the Bloodbound Oath 
just came out this past summer, and it's the first in a series. This one is about 208 pages, and it's um, the origin story of Beowulf and Grendel as 12-year-old twin brothers. Um, it goes back a couple generations to their grandfather, Rothgar, and all the mistakes he makes as a young prince and how they reverberate into the birth of the Beowulf and Grendel. And now, despite the fact that the as we've seen when anybody's ever tried to update it for film or whatever, it's a somewhat bloody story for an ancient epic. Yep. Um, and yet you have this as a kid-friendly book. Yeah, it is It is all ages. It's very much in the same vein as Bone, Asterix, or Avatar. Uh, so uh, the idea is to make it um, all ages friendly, but uh, give a story that has some tooth to it. I mean, this is basically the story I wish I could have read when I was a kid. Uh, you're right, uh, Beowulf is bloody, it is gory, uh, which is, I think, part of the appeal for some of us. Um, but uh, my style, as you can see, is very cartoony. Um, you know, I, I'm influenced by Chuck Jones and, and Jeff Smith and all these great classic cartoonists. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the, the trick is to uh, make a story that's balanced between the epic source material and also give it some action adventure uh, and a uh, little pop for a, for a modern audience. And are you self-publishing this? No, it's published through Bowler Hat Comics, um, which is a publisher up in Portland. Uh, basically, they're launching with Kid Beowulf, so this is their, their oh, baby, okay. as it is my baby. Um, and uh, the first book came out this past summer, and book two, which is Kid Beowulf and the Song of Roland, will be out in October. Okay. And we were talking a little earlier at the beginning of the con that you have several volumes planned out. So how far is the story going to go? The, uh, the nugget of the story is basically every country in Europe and Asia that has an o- its own epic poem, Beowulf and Grendel will go there. So it's basically a road trip through mythology. Uh, it starts in, in Denmark, and then they move on into uh, France, where they uh, meet Charlemagne on his nights. That's inspired by the French epic. They'll go to Spain, Italy, Greece. Um, and with each book, they'll get a little older, they will uh, figure out where they fit in this pantheon of, of heroes. And it eventually all leads up to the finale, which is Beowulf itself. So it's, this is all prologue to the events of Beowulf. And so it's about the brothers coming to terms with their ultimate fate, which is fighting each other to the death. So do you think you're writing in the style like J.K. Rowling had with Harry Potter? Is your readers going to age with you? Yeah, that's, that's something I, that I, I kind of look forward to. Getting a little more sophisticated with each volume in right. storytelling. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm in my 30s and I'm writing this really for myself and like-minded folks. Um, so I'm not dumbing it down to kids at all. Um, you know, in my experience, kids are really smart. Um, they pick up um, on the relationships with characters, and hopefully, I'm, I'm building enough layers that an adult audience can enjoy it too. Okay, now it's. This available in the stores now. It came out last uh, last summer. Yep. Is there a website we should be directing yeah, our listeners to? Yeah, you can go to, to uh, kidbeowulf.com. I do a production blog. Simple enough. And uh, it's available at Amazon, any bookstore. It just came to Diamond, or through Diamond, uh, in February. So. Our fans aren't always quite uh, literate. Can you spell Beowulf for them? Yeah, it's uh, B-E-O-W-U-L-F. Very Correct! Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, I look forward to the uh, to taking a look myself, and uh, we can, we'll see you at Comic Con. Are you going to be, be at Comic Con in small press? Okay, excellent. Well, thank you, Alexis. Yeah, thank you so guys. much. For Appreciate your time. it. Yes. True. Thank you, Nate. Okay, Mike's live. <laughs> well. <laughs>
It's been oh, a... Oh, that was a great Supercon, huh? It's been a long day here at Supercon. We've uh, we've had some fun, interviewed all kinds of people. And uh, so let's uh, gonna wrap up here. Lon, your take this year, last year? Um, uh, not as many good costumes this year, but... Uh, I you know maybe the is there a masquerade here? There'll not? be a masquerade at four thirty. We are pod, we are kind of wrapping this up about uh, three thirty. In about an hour, there's going right. to be a there's going to be a masquerade. But overall, um, you know, it's good, there's always a good vibe here. That's what I like. Even if it's kind of one of the smaller shows, it is a good opportunity to you know kind of meet creators and you know meet some of the up and comers and you know see a lot of good indie books. So that's what I like about it. You know. I enjoy Supercon for that. Once again, you got to see Sharnold, your number one fan. Oh, Sharnold's always great. You know, Eric Larson. You I know, have to follow up by. with this, by the way. He had a mystery flavored dum dum. He told us. Pineapple. Pineapple. Huh? Pineapple. Right. All worked out. Right. So much closure at this year's Supercon. I know. I feel like it's been no, good. No, but once again, though, I mean, like you know, Supercon. What's it good for? It's good for for people to get out and be immersed in comics. You know what I mean? It's not. This isn't like a WonderCon where there's a lot of media people here pushing their new show or whatever. It's just this is for collectors, yeah. people who like to be around the business and the although, biz. And although plenty of new stuff and people showing it too. True. And I had my own closure with Jane Wheedland. Yes. Finally. So. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, she didn't comment. We didn't comment. On I don't that. think we commented about this, but we need to say that first, essentially first thing this morning, after we got in here and settled, Rick confronted Jane Wheedland. And paid her the twenty dollars that he has owed her for two years. Yeah, so it's about time. She, she, she was nearly in tears. Yeah, yeah. So another great running gag, completely closed and now shot to hell. It's my job. You gotta find a new one. That's all right. We'll find a new one. Don't worry. Don't worry. There'll Nate, be anything you'd like? Nate, to add? was this your first supercon? This is my second supercon. I was here last year. Eric Larson was also here last year. I followed him around most of the day. In a healthy way or unhealthy way? Pretty unhealthy. I was trying to get him to uh, sketch on a cover, but he was with his kid, and I didn't want to bother him. Was it his art? I wanted, no, it was the... Uh, I don't remember what comic it was. But it wasn't an Eric Larson It wasn't comic. an Eric Larson comic. I had nothing. But I did want him to draw the Savage Dragon on the cover. Right, because you are a big Savage Dragon fan. I am, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so... Since okay. issue one of miniseries one... So what's been what's your overall take? Uh, it seems to be more. I don't know how you want to. I mean, it's. I don't know if it's bigger, but it's uh, more concise. I would say. Last year was kind of a jumble. Of, you couldn't tell what booth was what because there were there weren't these walls. Okay. Although Lon mentioned that he thought the walls were kind of a detractor to the feeling no, of the you con. You can't really see. I mean. It's it's definitely the view. Yeah, you can't see. It's like I mean, a lot of cons are this way. You can't see all the way across the hall, which you could in previous years. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely. I mean, the setup I think is working. Um, you know, and everybody around here seems to be enjoying their day here. So well, I missed last year's. So this one is definitely a lot larger than it was two years ago. Anyway, uh, <laughs> one hot Wonder Woman here, by the way. So. I wish I had a video camera. But anyway. Your hot friend, the Black Cat. Oh, yes. And Wonder Woman and Black Cat. You're imagining a miniseries written by Kevin Smith now, aren't you? Mm-hmm. There you go. And we have pictures that we will be uploading onto the site. So. Yes. Yes, we actually have pictures of Black, yes. Black Cat. But overall, Supercon, I, I had a good time. Yeah. It's been a good day. I think it's been a great day. 
It has been a great day. So, so say we all. With you guys. Aww. Aww. Well, all I got to say to that is, remember, use your powers only for good. See you next year. Yeah. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.lukeski.com. Are you free to talk about this? Um, at the moment, no. <laughs> well, that's a great soundbite. That is good. <laughs> All right. Well, it's good to see you guys. Can we get a bump from you? Can we get a bump? We, we right. usually do celebrity bumpers at the end of the show. So you right. just say, I'm Eric Larson, Image Comics, Savage Dragon. And then you read our catchphrase, right. which is... You wrote it out. Nice. I did. Oh. He's a little nervous. He's a, <laughs> I'm a righty. You're a, you're a righty? There you go. Then you're up and up. And remember... So I'm saying... No, 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 I'm not saying anything. No, I'm sure. So I'm just saying. I'm sure. Eric Larson. Eric Larson. Image Comics. Savage Dragon. It's just like you're introducing yourself, and then you say, and remember, use your powers only for good. All right. That's it. This is Eric Larson from Image Comics and Savage Dragon. And remember, kids, use your powers only for good. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. One take. Right. <laughs> One take. First time today. Thank you very much. Right. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it.